all right i guess uh, more and more people will join in once we start up with the event so we have udit goenka with us and he's a founder of little chats and pitch ground and he is involved in a lot of things since 2010 from freelancing and uh, graphic designing and then founding startups and then successfully running them and then creating a like a humongous revenue of more than 5 million uh, so we have mr goenka and like as the introduction itself is very crazy so so is his journey and he'll be explaining about his journey and talking to us a bit about his journey and stuff so let's get this started welcome mr goenka sir and we are glad to have you here Oh, uh, hey, and Mol, thank you so much. You can just call me with it. Uh, uh, it just it just sounds too formal or old. Let's keep it very informal conversation. Oh, <laughs> awesome. no issues. So I'll get started with my first question. Like, so this talk is basically about SaaS. So how do you explain SaaS to a five-year-old? Since many of us may not be knowing what SaaS exactly means. So in a very simple term, what SaaS basically means is you are productizing a service. basically so that you can reach it to masses at a much lower cost so just to give you an example uh back in about uh, 15 years ago 10 years ago uh, we used to hire graphic designer and pay them anywhere from like 50 5 this $50 to like $100 for some basic artwork basic uh, banners right and uh, that would also take a lot of time to get completed but now there are services like canva available that does the same for like Five ten dollars a month with default template, it gets their job done a lot faster. So that's what SaaS is all about. It's it's instead of creating a service, you're productizing your service in the form of product, and then selling it as a service, basically. Now that clears up the doubt, uh, everyone must have been having like what is SaaS. So another interesting fact that I noticed while looking at your profile is that <coughs> you are into uh, building stuff since two thousand twelve and eleven. So How did you connect with them? Since we didn't have Discord and Slack back then, or Twitter wasn't so famous back then, like as it is today. So, how did you manage to connect with them? Oh, we had Skype back in those days. <laughs> oh, oh, I miss that. I hope I was that from that generation too. <laughs> yeah, Skype was uh, literally a game changer during that stage, and plus we used to also use uh, Google Hangout quite a lot. It was it used to be known as Google Chat back in those days. uh which is now known as google hangout so those were like the two hot platforms that people would use but i think 99% of the people uh were probably using uh skype for all sorts of like their conversation uh, communicating communicating with their customers all the video calls audio calls uh so skype was pretty much like the go to platform for pretty much everyone mm-hmm. that pretty much makes sense also uh You are currently a co. You are currently a founder of Little Chats and Pitchdown. So, how does it feel like managing two companies at the same time and uh, every sort of stuff involved with your startup and your company? So, so it's actually one company. So, Little Chats is the so Little Chats is the primary company name. Uh, is the parent company name and Pitchdown is one of the first brands under Little Chats. We are working on quite a lot of uh, different brands under uh, under this, and we are looking to build multiple products. So we also have another brand known as Communication, which is our uh, SaaS help desk platform, uh, which is based out of shared inboxes. 
so that is like the second product but it is still under under like a sort of like public beta at the moment so that's why we aren't pushing the product very aggressively because ultimately if your product is is not good it will not sell it will not go it will not have that viability factor so we're still working on that and we are estimating about another uh 12 months before we go full mainstream and uh, our product can be used by like enterprises basically so nilsas is the primary company name pitchground is the first brand that we are focusing on at the moment and communication would be the second brand yes correct communication is the second one and uh, i'm also launching my uh, a- uh, angel network dedicated to saas only and this will be india's first uh, angel network that will go live by january of this of next year uh where it will just be focused towards uh helping creators uh who are building amazing saas at a very early stage or they are in pre revenue stage will be helping them fund uh their projects because i'm just super passionate about saas and the way india is growing i will do everything on my end to support them through pitch ground and through the an- new angel network i cannot disclose the name right now because uh, it's still like under the understand, understand yeah but i think it will be fantastic opportunity for all the entire community especially in india to to grow out there because i feel by 2030 india will dominate saas industry so if anyone of you is into saas you can probably uh, connect with it for funding later on oh 100% more than happy to connect with any of you guys so another question i was having i was wondering that what was your motivation behind this founding a saas business and running it and what caused um, you to what motivated so when i was 18 that's when i built out my very first wordpress plugin um where uh, wordpress was brand new th- back then i'm mm, probably talking like 2009 I, sh- i think and i think wordpress came out around uh, 2005 or 6 but the problem was uh, being an open source uh, it had a lot of security vulnerabilities during that point of stage so i ended up building a very small product on wordpress which is now known as vas basically people popularly call it as wordpress as a service now uh, but back in those days it was still considered as, as a saas basically so uh, we ended i ended up building up a product because i just saw like an opportunity and at the same time i was just learning development um, all of, and and learning how to develop products and stuff by myself and that kind of like skyrocketed because in just about i think uh, a month or two months time i did over 300000 us dollars in business and as a 18 year old kid i was like what the heck i don't even know what to do with that sort of money um <laughs> and and then i had a partner a marketing partner for that so after like about a few months i kind of like lost interest into it and i was like you just carry forward and take it forward i had some money from them uh from that particular sale of my my part of the share um and then i moved on to continuing like building applications for the companies for the next uh, one one and a half years and that's when i met my uh, co-founder in this journey um took us about a year to trust each other before i ended up like finding my actual real company so when i built out my actual company it was known as power up hosting we were very clear that we're going to do something in cloud space uh this was before aws got crazy popular uh we were very clear that we're going to cater to a certain kind of a business and it was saas and uh, vpn businesses so uh we we started building up cloud infrastructure we started selling like some some uh, normal hosting as well and i flew down to us uh because i got an opportunity from there by the way i was also doing my masters in computer application over here from uh, vivekanand institute in uh, 
chamber but after my terrible first year of experience where i didn't learn anything i decided to drop out and uh, move to us and uh, started continuing to work on my startup over there and whatever the funds that i had uh, i'd made early uh, i invested about like half of them into buying servers and buying and co-locating servers uh, in los angeles we ended up uh, renting out a data center over there and uh, we ended up like co-locating and and starting to build our entire journey from there and we were building cloud infrastructures i was managing uh, cisco 6500 and uh, juniper 3300 that a top level network engineer will do at the age of th- th- 21 uh just by asking people around in the data center how to operate it and they would teach me how to operate all of these networking stuff so uh, my my journey and learning has always been asking other people i i annoy the heck out of them to get information and that's something i feel everyone should do keep on bugging people to ask information because if you don't someone else will do and and grab that opportunity so and when i started building up that entire infrastructure we were building up cloud servers and cloud infrastructures for vpn companies and saas companies and that's where that's where my interest with saas companies kind of like started sparking up a lot because i started building up good relationship with uh, with a lot of companies over there so it made me more curious about things and i was already like i i had my love for software a lot higher than hardware and uh, i started realizing that over a period of time as as i continued in my journey to a point where it led me to to build page ground uh from my successes failures everything um it led me to like uh, start with something around page ground that combines my passion for technology uh, that uh, that combines my passion for software saas in general and marketing at the same time this is like one of those dream projects that that i ended up building up without knowing this is my dream, dream project life just took me to to where i am today pretty fun actually so you mentioned about learning uh, development back in 2011 and 12 so i presume that even in back then uh, youtube wasn't so popular and tutorials weren't so common just like they are today so how how did you manage to learn so many things like just that bugging bugging people or how did you use internet for it so um, back in those days uh, sadly we used to have a bsnl 256 kbps internet connection so what i would do is whenever i would go to college i would leave uh, videos to buffer so now what happens is if you leave uh, videos to buffer youtube would kind of pause after few seconds or few minutes but that wasn't the case back in those days if you just uh, let your browser be as it is it will continue to kind of like buffer so i would leave about like 4 to 6 videos to buffer it would take about a good 4 hours 5 hours i would head to my college by the time i would come back those videos would have uh been completely buffered up and then i would spend watching them over and over and again and i think there was a software known as uh clear no i think it was known as a uh, cache download or something where all of these videos were getting cached in the cache folder of the browser inside my pc so i would just copy them and i would start building up my library of videos so that i can watch them over and over again so it was quite a journey back then now things are a lot more easier there are resources and tutorials but that's where how I learned and at the same time i kept on buying those engineering books a lot of my friends were doing engineering so i asked them hey which book should i you guys are reading so they would give me the names of those book i would just go and buy second hand books at that stage and i would bring them home and i would start making my notes and stuff and i think in about 6 months of time i started up uh, building small small applications kind of like as as a test and then like started my journey 
quite interesting and quite difficult must have been in back then 256 kg days you can't imagine living that speed in today so <laughs> yeah pe- people are going to throw their pcs and mobile <laughs> exactly <laughs> So uh, I was also reading that uh, you mentioned about your first startup that was Pitch Ground uh, Power of Power of Sorry. So yeah. uh, you sold it, if I am correct. Yes, I sold it about uh, four years ago because uh, AWS was eating up the market. They were literally shelling out like hundred k in credits, which no one would use. But again, that's a lot of credit for a company we knew. Like it's going to be very tough five years down the road. So I always. have that envision of what's going to happen in the next 5 years uh before taking any sort of dis- uh, like financial and business decisions right so mm-hmm. i spoke with my co-founder and even he was quite adamant that i think this is going to happen aws and google cloud azure is going to literally take over the entire world because the kind of money power they they have it's it's hard to compete even google cannot compete with aws that's the situation today like that's how powerful aws powering about like 52% of the web today so i was quite adamant about it and and my co-founder finally agreed so we decided to sell the company to uh, one of our a good friend and competitor at the same time uh, whom we had like built relationship because being in the industry you kind of like start to know your competitors right you have spoken to your competitors and you kind of like end up becoming like good friends at the same time so i spoke to him and uh, we told him that hey like we're looking to move out uh, this is not something that we want to do we want to start entering into the software space uh we ran hardware for quite a lot of time so after good negotiations um, good discussions uh in about 3 months of time uh, we ended up like uh, wrapping things up uh, selling the company and uh, moving on to the next project that sounds good and actually that turned out to be true like today aws and google cloud are dominating everywhere yes you are good uh, far i land like i don't remember what do we technically call it but that's pretty great to have as a founder so moving ahead uh since you told your startup like we know about the story of selling our startup you also uh, looked for funding earlier back in 2019 if i'm correct so uh, how was yes. it like so in 2019 uh when i was just building up the entire project especially pitch round um i was wondering like uh, while i was scaling up we were doing very decent i wanted to look and and try to raise capital uh so that i can start accelerating because one of our biggest competitor has been around for over a decade and um, are very large and in order to really compete with them uh there were two things we could do either we could innovate uh which would be very difficult at such an early stage company because in 2019 when i was trying to raise capital we were barely like 6 months old so we went live exactly on 25th of september 2018 is when we went live with pitch round that was the very first day so in about 6 months of time it was quite a difficult challenge to raise capital uh, because saas was still like kind of like a new concept uh, in india and people didn't believe in saas as a future and i spent about a good 6 months of time uh, trying to connect with vcs investors and they kept on dodging me basically saying that hey uh get back to us in 3 months get back to us in 6 months and i realized that i wasted a lot of those 6 months of time that i could have just invested into the company and i could have kept growing and i still have those emails from people they kept on denying things i i i went to various uh these events uh, organized by your story and other uh, and and various other events 
spent a lot of time connecting with people told them about the vision that because i always envision 5 years down the road i never whenever it comes to building businesses you have to envision that what is going to be the future and i kept on telling them that by 2030 uh the world would be dominated by saas companies right but again they did not believe believe in in my story they did not buy my story and after that i the dropped the whole idea and i was like screw this i am marwadi i'm going to freaking go and and just start on a on a crazy rampage sales mode right uh, because this marketing and sales is something that was already in my blood and i've been very very good at it so i kept on investing my own funds uh from the exits that i had made i kept on putting it into facebook ads and at the same time um i ended up getting like couple of large credit cards with like 10 lakh rupees of limit so that i can use them as a form of like ads also get some credits out of it because i think i, I was getting about like good uh, 2% of uh, refund at the same time so i kept on using all of these cards and everything to sort of like start managing things and and from there the sales sort of like accelerated right but then came 2020 where again when this graph started moving up right the lockdowns hit everyone so hard that right from moving to like in a 45 degree of growth it went to almost like 2 degrees of growth for a good 6 months of period but then again we had to kind of like sustain and i'm so proud to say that none of our team members had to leave during that stage we managed everything in terms of financials uh, we managed everything in terms of how the things were and then the moment lockdown opened up the cash industry blew up and right then and there black got sold out for 25 billion dollars later this year that triggered the fast industry shopify went to almost becoming almost like 200 billion dollar company zoom almost had hit i think 400 or 500 billion dollar of market cap and the whole saas industry sort of exploded after that and basically what would have happened by 2030 happened in 2021 because of covid so that's how now the saas is growing at such an accelerating pace that even people who lost their job engineers who lost their job have now started building up their own saas products at the moment and they are coming in and they know that they could end up making a lot more money um just by selling their own products uh versus um working for someone for an example so this is how the transition is happening right now in the industry and and i and that's why i've been i've been so enthusiastic about the indian saas ecosystem that i know that starting from 2025 to 30 you will start seeing some insanely crazy saas if you if anyone has seen the ipo game and if anyone has seen the latent view or uh, analytics ipo that just went um, live uh, two days ago it got oversubscribed by 300 times just imagine 300 times oversubscription such kind of oversubscription has never happened ever for any single ipo this is just the 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 icing on on the cake this is how the saas industry would move forward and if you have a good idea you have a good product you can go out there and start making money so that's how like that's the whole saas industry excites me so much and and that's why like i've been such a great enthusiast of of saas especially the indian saas ecosystem and that's why i'm trying to do everything possible to come out and help all of these amazing saas uh, founders that are building such incredible saas products that's 
pretty awesome. Uh, another question that when you were in lockdown, so did you imagine that the SaaS industry will boom up like that? Like today yes, we are was, learning, like today I we was, are learning softwares and everything. The but we didn't have anything back then. So yeah, go on. Yeah, so I did kind of like had that uh, sense that people will start realizing that software is not an expense; it's an investment. And that's what is happening right now. We are seeing the crazy transition of everyone moving online now. And if you do not move online now, you will be crushed out by your competitors. So that is a transition that's happening today. The marketing from offline has started moving to online, right? So, and that transition is going to only pace up. The ads and everything that people are spending on, that they used to spend on, on, on TV ads, they're now spending on digital apps, for the same channels because they get to see the data earlier these data did not exist uh, making it extremely difficult for any company to predict where the sales are really coming from but now that everything is online the data tracking has become so much more easier the analysis of data has become so much more easier and and i was pretty like sure something great is going to happen uh, because people are moving online but at this pace i was not expecting that and that reflects in our sales, that reflects in the number of SaaS companies that we are onboarding. So right now, this year, like this month alone, we'll have about like 50 products on our platform in just this month. We did not even have this many products throughout the last year complete. So you can see, and we have about 600 SaaS companies in our pipeline sitting and waiting for us uh, to give them a go so that they can go live. So you can just see that the whole SaaS industry supply side is coming up. And I think this is where the opportunities would come in. And this is good because consumers get to pick like the best product, the best company, the best founders to, to, to use to fuel the growth of their product. And that's why we, we have this tagline of fuel your business growth. So PitchGround is all about fueling your business growth. That's like a whooping number, a whooping increase of... 50 products in this period. Lakan, uh, would you like to ask some questions to him now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will. Udit, you have told that you are a Marwadi, so are you from Rajasthan? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm from Rajasthan. I'm from Junjino. Okay, I am also from Rajasthan. I'm, I'm from Junjino, to be more specific in Rajasthan. Oh, cool. So, Couple of questions in the chat. So, what steps should you suggest to a college student if he to start a SaaS industry? Uh, great question. What I would say is uh, try to get an internship uh, in a SaaS company or anyone working in the SaaS industry. Work over there for a good two years uh, before starting your SaaS journey. The reason behind that is you want to avoid making mistakes. Um, and and working at such an early stage uh, with with a visionary founder can sort of help you out to envision and craft out what all things are required. So instead of you wondering for the first two years of your life, you can actually sort that so that whenever you start your journey, you have a very clear vision. So uh, one of our our team members uh, last year, whom we had hired, uh, after learning uh, with us for a year. He quit and started his own SaaS and we pushed and we pushed him so much to a point that we ended up launching his own product on our platform and today he's funded by Techstars. So this is such a proud moment for me as a founder that 
uh, that this is what I wanted the whole time, and that's happening. And on top of that, we are hundred percent bootstrapped still. It's it's all good. It's it's all like that vision is sort of like all coming out there, uh, one one at a time. That's okay, great. So, uh, yeah, let can go ahead. If someone wanna start as SaaS business today, so what are the red flags one look for while building a SaaS startup? So, firstly, um, if you, I'm gonna talk about two different things. Uh, first, if you are a SaaS developer yourself, find a co-founder who's a good marketer. So that you both can complement your skills and vice versa as well. So if you are a marketer over here and you don't know how to build a SaaS product, you're not a developer, then find a CTO. This is very important. Uh, so if you have that uh, uh, a co-founder with, with a completely diversified skill than yours, this will help you to build a much better company. Now, people often try to say that, hey, I'm not going to shell out 50% of my equity and blah, 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 all of those things during the initial stages. But always remember, your equity is worth nothing. It's worth, it's useless. It's worth zero. Till the time you find the right people, you build the right team and you get the right team on board. It's your team members who work very hard and make and add some value to your equity. Always remember that. So get good people on board. That is the first and foremost very important step. Second, this is something that I have mentioned in, in some of my previous webinars and, and interviews as well, that always focus on these three very critical steps if you want to build a product. First is your idea stage. Second is your build stage. And the third is your scale stage. You have to work very hard on your first stage which is validating your idea because if you think your idea is worth billion dollars i'm sorry to break it down but it's not unless and until people validate it by actually making a payment to you right people can say oh my god this is an incredible product but are they going to take out the credit card and pay for it if no that idea is worth zero so always validate your idea trust me you'll have some uh, heartbreaks if, if it doesn't work out but you will save yourself a huge hassle. You'll save yourself a lot of losses in money and time. And that is very important. So always, always validate your idea. Second is the build stage. Once you've validated your idea, focus on the build stage that is your product. Your product is everything. One of the best examples I can give you is of Notion. I'm pretty sure most of you have heard about them. They actually launched in, I think, 2012 and 13. No one cared about their product for the first five, six years. No one spoke about it. It was a very bad product in general. That is because they did not focus on product, right? Now, once they launched their next version in 2018, I suppose, look where they are. In three years, it's a unicorn already. That's what can happen if you build a good quality product. Do not compromise on your product. I'm saying this once again, right? If your idea is validated, Build a product, but then again, do not rush into building the product. Build out an MVP and keep your development process very slow, right? Keep it agile. You can use waterfall as well. It's completely up to you. I prefer using waterfall uh, instead of agile, which is used by most of the modern companies, because I feel like testing has to be done aggressively. And we prefer building up a bunch of features together 
and then test it aggressively and then push it was it building something very small then testing and then pushing and then building again something small so for me uh, agile did not work out for me so i have always preferred to go with a waterfall model so that would be like my suggestion but again you can pick whatever works out for you so and then finally would be the scaling stage once you have built a rocket of a product that just works it's time for you to go out there and start your distribution game because now the only cost you will have would be a server cost and how many licenses you're able to sell once you hit that that's where the magic comes in and once you hit that product market fit which is like a dream and goal of every every founder you will see the real magic of what saas can do uh my next question is about like uh, suppose if i have created a saas service should i so uh, my customer ad i mean create revenue from ad or should i uh, go for any paid services would be better no starting if you if if you're building up a saas definitely like uh, you're not going to be trying to make money out of ads you should be going out there and selling it that's the whole point right Uh, of of building up a saas is you're productizing a service what the things that you will do manually you're letting software do that for you at a cheaper cost that's the whole concept of saas is is making your 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 operational cost go down and making it a lot more accurate because whatever input you give to the software it will give you the right output every single time the output is not going to change so that's how the whole saas concept comes into picture so for example we have this help desk right now in order to collaborate it is impossible to do it in google you'll have to share your login details and all of those things which is a tedious process you cannot do any sort of automation inside that because gmail and g suite is not built for that so what we did was we built out the entire ticketing engine out of it where we ended up building up a shared inbox where the emails would come in to the shared inbox inside communication create a ticket id so that a user gets it sets up an auto reply email and then builds up a nice organized thread that you can also share among your team members without sharing the login details of your g suite right now a lot of people were craving for a solution like this and a traditional platform like zendesk or freshdesk did not have this shared inbox concept because they o- they only had like one email as as a typical box that's it versus what we did was we let people add as many emails as they want so now it becomes a lot more easier for a sales team to work inside communication it becomes a lot more easier for support team etc etc and now we are like slowly adding like uh slack like features inside that so that even internally you can discuss and 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 have a conversation with your team members right inside the application so that's why i said uh, we are still in development for another one year before we start going mainstream and start sort of like marketing the product so everything takes time you just have to be careful about how you do things don't rush into things uh, what about prices should we keep a uh, keep price uh, less from our competitor uh, we focus on quality i would say focus on quality price is very subjective you will have to understand your cost because every company has got different cost associated to their services so you'll have to figure out your cost and price it accordingly uh but again during the initial stages um if you want to attract early users price is your only weapon
unless and until your product is spectacular and you have spent a lot of time building it then you have an upper edge if not then price is usually your your early weapon that can help you onboard the initial users because again once you have built it you need to make sure that before you iterate the next version of your of your app uh there are enough users who are ready to pay for it but if you just keep on building things without having paid customers yeah you you're going on that like rabbit hole with which has like uh which you don't know where it's going to end so build slow and build, build gradually and that's why watermall works so very well so in price whatever you want it's completely up to you it's your service right so just like how how people charge differently for logo designing some people would charge $50 some would charge $5000 some would even charge $50000 to design a logo it's completely up to you uh, what market do you want to cater if you price it too cheap enterprise won't work with you if you price too high you will attract enterprise but small businesses won't work with you so you will have to just like build out different plans and initially test things out to see what pricing would work out what country you are catering as well so for example slack hubspot they all offer anywhere from 30 to 80% discount to indian indian customers because they know if they want to penetrate in, into the indian market they have to offer discounts or else it is very hard to penetrate in this specific market so again it really depends upon your strategy the country the culture um and a lot of other um, other other uh, what i said but keep testing and you will see that you will hit that sweet price point to a point where you can start scaling up from there okay so let's talk little bit about hiring so what has hiring been for you and was your days uh, initial days in your startup how you able to found your team oh uh, that's a great question and to be very honest with you i've been very lucky with with my team member because we have always found and hired everyone from the community so far everyone including my ceo who is now my co-founder as well i found him when i was building pitchground he reached out to me and uh, uh, my co-founder and ceo has previously worked for nasa google and hostinger uh, as a, as a developer for almost like 17 years so it was incredible he reached out to me we worked out on things and he got, he came on board as a co-founder and uh, and ever since then like every single team member that we are adding has been from the pitchground community and as we keep on growing our community we keep on hiring from community we are not hiring from outside very quickly and also we are very slow with our hiring we do not rush into it because we are a very very lean team so we onboard like one member at a time and make sure that they are fully integrated into the system before we move on and hire the next individual so we don't hire very rapidly uh because we have to ensure that every team members matters in the company and everyone is making the difference so if you guys haven't read lean startup by any chance i would highly recommend you to guys to like go and grab that book from amazon and read it it'll give you some great perspective of how to build a lean team and at the same time we have been remote like since day 1 so we also had to ensure that all of the sops are incorporated properly into every processes the communication part is sorted and the team is able to mutually work remotely because it's still kind of like new culture uh working remote so there is a lot of coordination that needs to happen versus in office people are next to each other so it's a lot more easier so those those kind of things takes a lot of time especially if we get someone on board who has never done remote uh working so it takes them a little time to get used to it but once they do i think they would never fall back it's 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 incredible so that's how our hiring has been so far
Okay, let's take some questions from audience. You can raise up your hands and we'll allow you to uh, ask Udit. Yeah, Ayush, you can go ahead. Hey Udit, hi, Ayush this side. Hey, I, hi. I actually um, have been working for about uh, six years now. I've been working into strategy and revenue consulting and all of that. And I left my job um, to start into microsats. So I've been also tracking how microsats has been growing and players such as MicroAcquire um, and these players have come up. Uh, and i um, been researching into this space for about three months now. It's, and it's really, really interesting, you know. Um, so I really um, got interested when you mentioned that you are wanting to say start an um, angel network of your own uh, um, for SaaS companies in India, right? Um, so, you know, what are, can you also share your views on the entire culture of indie hackers that is there set up, say, in the foreign countries in U.S.? And how the entire indie hacker culture helps the various micro SaaS pop up and you know um, build a community uh, and scale up their SaaS. Uh, and there's there's this existing infrastructure that exists around indie hackers. So do you plan to say set up that kind of a culture, that kind of an infrastructure for you know various micro SaaS to come up in India as well? Oh, uh, great question, Ayush. And you're absolutely right. Uh, but the first and the four foremost most important part before doing that is to ensuring that the funds are sorted, right? Because anything that you build up, it gets expensive, right? You you need money regardless of whatever we say, right? All the dreams, everything that we want to follow. If there is no right funding structure that is being set up, it is sort of like impossible to grow that sort of, the entire yeah. sort of organization, right? And, and turn that micro SaaS into a macro SaaS one day, right? So that is the step one that I'm taking towards. And that's why you might have seen that I got, I've gotten like insanely active on Twitter lately uh, for the last uh, uh, month and a half. And I've been growing this sort of the entire community at the moment uh, to spread more awareness about SaaS, first of all, and let people know that, look, there is a great alternative career in SaaS. Either you join a company or even if you want to SaaS, start your own SaaS, uh, even if you want to build a no-code uh, SaaS as well. Uh, to kind of like get out of that space of doing a job because a lot of people feel that doing a job is is not right, which is not the case. Everyone has the job. Even I, as a CEO, I'm doing a job with within my own company, right? So now that entire culture needs to be set up and that takes time. So I'm working on step one at the moment, which is, which is sorting the funds part out. And once that happens, I'll start building up the entire community around it. So we already have something known as SaaS Council that is under works at the moment. We'll call that entire, like the, the India hacker community as SaaS council in India. And uh, and we'll take it forward from there, building up the wow. entire community, helping them to really grow, fund and scale up and ensure that the community is so strong that we all sort of like start supporting and helping out each other, basically. So that's the culture that I'm trying to build up. It's not a small vision. It will require a lot of efforts, a lot of support from everyone to make it happen so but i'm taking like one step at a time all right um and also what are your views on say the difference in the um, organization's culture that that exists in the us and in india uh what i mean to say is that um, i've seen this behavior um, in companies in us where they are happy to engage with um, SaaS companies in a self-service model that let's just buy licenses of whatever we require from a SaaS, and you know we're ready to go and we're ready to function um, in India, I've seen SaaS still revolves around 
that there has to be a sales team they will do uh, the entire sales funneling and they'll you know have a team to do the implementation and then say a two month hypercare mode and so that entire um, sales cycle still exists in most um, saas deals in india uh, do you see the self service model um, being adopted by um, say series a startups by by early startups and you know the culture being changed towards more how it operates in the us oh yeah definitely but that will probably take another decade to happen because as a mm. younger generation is coming up right our younger generation is on a very high end tech they are high end tech enthusiasts right mm-hmm. they hate doing things manually they love softwares for everything and that sort of a culture is is slowly booming up right so this particular age group of of people who are 18 19 once they start hitting 25 26 30 right that's when you will start seeing seeing like a major shift in the in the entire industry especially in developing countries like india philippines uh, etc etc will start seeing that shift us on the other end is one of the most mature markets in the entire world and that's why people adopt to things a lot faster over there and we always have said this that india in general is like 10 15 years behind than us in terms of the adoption and that age that uh, that years is going to go down drastically once our current generation uh, who are in their 20s they move to the 30s and we start seeing like more amazing startups coming up at that stage and you will see that all of these startups have incorporated softwares in every single sop processes they are a lot more educated they have a lot more resources are uh, now available which wasn't the case earlier communicating communication has become such a critical aspect and connecting with people have become a lot more easier so software is getting incorporated in every single sop processes which is still not the case in those traditional businesses and it will take a lot of time because they still see software as an expense and not as an investment they would be happy to pay 10 lakh rupees salary to a person and instead of replacing that individual with a software that will probably cost them only 50000 a year that mindset shift is still happening with covid it has made things a lot more easier and the massive shift will happen by 2030 so again we have to like come down the road and and, and just wait for for all of those things to happen and that's why like i'm taking all of these initiatives to educate people about things i have been doing a lot of webinars around it and i've seen a lot of companies are are actually taking that approach of and and adopting softwares in their sops and that is how companies are going to are going to grow because the biggest expense for any company is opex which is your operational expenses and especially human resources expenses that's the highest cost for every single company which in the next 10 years is going to go down because because of inflation everything is getting more expensive now and in order for yeah. companies to remain profitable and and keep on generating profits they will start relying on software even more so in next 10 years the shift will take at least a decade it's not going to happen like this app yeah i see uh, and one last question i see that another person has raised his hand so i'll just hop off after this last question uh the question comes from what you said that you know the the younger people are going growing more and more techies and and of those sorts um a lot of people around me who are say um, i've been speaking to in india and are trying to come up with the micro saas ideas um i myself and these these other people also are running into this challenge that we are we are able to say create a, a good product um, in terms of uh, what the product has to do uh, what we think it will solve um, and all of the tech stuff we are able to quickly do right but 
since we uh, most of the most of us do not have a lot of network into um, companies we are not able to say um, find co-piloting um, organizations to do poc with and to just start off the ground right um what are your suggestions on finding some some how do how does one go about finding some companies to co-pilot with um and maybe provide service for free while the co-piloting or the poc is happening um how do you because emailing introductions um isn't really you know something that's that's very uh that's very proven to have a very uh, good track record of getting through so how does does your company little sas or does uh, pitch ground help with that so pitch ground was built for exactly this purpose right it's a it's a it's uh, we kind of like uh, kickstarter.com but for uh, saas companies basically or you can oh, call right. it amazon for softwares so we are about to release our self onboarding product very soon uh, it's currently like in in beta at the moment we are just going to be coming out of beta before this black friday so one can just go on our site uh, log in and just put in the proc that done that's it it's going to go live on pitchron in a matter of like 24 hours after the review is done and we have tested the software probably will take by 24 to 72 hours and boom you're on pitchron you're on the marketplace and we already have great traffic our user base is increasing every single day so you will start seeing traction happening right away and based on uh, how your product really performs uh, it becomes a lot more easier for you to start gaining those tractions because uh, we have we are working on ai algorithms where we start pushing the product that are being very proactive and are doing very well in store in general so that's exactly where the whole concept of pitch round comes into picture and that's why like this is like my next 10 year of vision to to ensure that the microsoft microsoft culture across india is resolved at every single stage right from from companies who are starting a small saas to like who are mature pitchround becomes a great platform and medium for them to kind of like connect with international audience because we have customers from over 170 countries as of till date so i hope that answers your question anish Are you are you connected? It seems like there is some internet glitch that I use, and so we'll move ahead with Harta as the next uh, speaker. Yeah. Okay. So hi, Adit. Uh, hi, Taj. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, let me first tell you, I am not uh, very much that experienced, but uh, like uh, I have watched many of the uh, many of the industry like industry people like Varun Maya and. other people like uh, my let's get straight to the point my question is is there any effect of lowering attention rates of gen z on saas companies uh sorry can you repeat your question i didn't get your question like is there any effect of lowering down like you know the attention span of gen z is lowering year by year uh no not yes. at all because once you start getting into into business side of the things then it's yeah. a completely different aspect uh, in terms of retention and in terms of yeah in terms of attracting those gen z uh, uh age group right so that's not a problem at all because when you're working as a like, professional it's a completely different aspect of the things but when you are kind of like doing b2c software right which is like something like whatsapp then it's a completely different thing because people keep on shifting the software but when it comes to b2b that's never a case that's never a problem regardless of okay. the age uh, yeah like uh, my 
my main focus is on B2C, like, you know, let's take an example of these blogging websites. Because if we see, take an example of these uh, Gen Z, then they wouldn't be able to read out the whole blog or you can see any of the article because their attention rate is so small to catch up with the content. So that's a great question. Uh, let me answer this in a, in a bit more specific way. Uh, look, when you write something, you're writing for a specific set of audience only. You're not writing for everyone. So today, if I write about SaaS, for an example, uh, it will only be focused towards, let's say, SaaS founders, right? It will not be focused towards end users. But now if I write a use case of a SaaS, I'm writing for an end user and not for a SaaS company, right? But now if I write like an investment thesis on why I'm investing in a certain SaaS, it is now targeted towards the investors at that stage. So it purely depends. So it purely depends on whom you're writing for and you have to craft off your content accordingly. Don't write for everyone, write for a specific set of people. You need to know your audience when you're writing any sort of blog. And when you do that, yeah. it becomes a lot more easier for you to retain those users regardless of their age. So for example, mm -hmm. if, if a certain Gen Z is into learning about investments and stuff, right? You need to make sure your content is so simple for them to understand that you keep them engaged. It also depends on your writing style, whether you are able to kind of like communicate with your words or you're just providing generic information through your blog post. It also depends on that. So many a times people don't kind of like communicate with their blog post, but rather just throwing some information. And that also leads to like, uh, uh, like you losing the, the retention of the users. Plus, it's no longer time to just write blog. You have to build out communities around around your brand, around your product, so that you can communicate with them more in things like situations like these, right? Where I'm coming in and I'm, I'm spending all the time answering all the questions and spreading as much information as possible because this is what is required in today's world to connect with the youth, to connect with that audience today. So it is no longer about just writing a blog, but it is also about building all of these relationships. So you have to really understand your audience and draft your contents accordingly. Okay, thank you. Thank you for answering my question. And uh, like, uh, but what if the, like, you know, the specific audience in India is just around 1 million or 1 million or like in between 1 million and 2 million? Well, the day you reach 1 million, you'll probably be making $1 million a month. So I'm waiting for, for that to happen. 1 million is actually, a actually, long see, see, you know, uh, according to Ubersuggest, Free Code Camp has almost like 1 to 2 million organic users from India. Yeah, but again, you, are, yeah. you, cannot, you cannot predict how many people exist just based on a keyword research, right? Again, you're connecting. Yeah. There are what, like 24 people right now in the session at the moment. That's a lot of people that's if you do a workshop, it will full up like it will it will be filled up. One million yeah. is a lot of users. You cannot even accommodate that in a in a conference room. Right. So even if you're able to help 2000 users, that's still a lot. Right. Because if you end up making about $100 from every single of those users, and if you have 2000 users, that's almost $200,000 already. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the audience is never small. It is about how many of you, how many of them can you help out? Because if you're able to help out even 2000 people, that 2000 people will talk about you amongst their peer 
of at least 500 and that is almost 100000 new people that that can discover about you pitchground has has grown not just because of our marketing efforts it's because of word of mouth if people wouldn't talk about us there is no way we would have grown to where we are and this applies for every brand but it takes time it takes a lot of efforts right you cannot expect just to write a piece of content and expect magical things to happen sadly that's not the truth right we also write blog posts but we drive users to our funnel and we keep on communicating with them in different ways so you have to start building out those community aspects of the things in order to really grow as a brand at the same time build an authority for yourself because you you have to provide value but not just in the form of a blog content but much more than that today okay so last question uh, i would not take with that much time then like what are your predictions for saas companies in 2030 and what would be the specific market valuation at that time so the saas industry itself is a trillion dollar market um after in india no 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 across the entire it's a trillion dollar now so it's already a trillion dollar market and it's growing over at uh, over 25% cagr and it's going to continue to grow at that pace for at least the next 10 years so the industry itself is probably going to become like a 3 to 4 trillion dollar industry in next 10 years that's good enough that's a lo- that's a very very large industry to cater to and if you can even capture like 1% of that 4 trillion dollar market that's 40 billion dollars potentially worth of company so there's a lot of fresh users there's a lot of users coming in and all the younger generation that is coming out now they are very tech savvy they are insanely tech savvy today so there's a huge difference they cannot survive without they cannot survive without software for even a single second right so that's where the industry is heading towards and that's why i suggested that by 2025 to 30 especially you will start seeing that all of the ipos that are coming out will be of saas companies so 2030 would be the year i feel where saas will be at at the tipping peak and it's going to start growing from there very aggressively in next 10 years but it's going to take at least a good 10 years so anyone who's getting into mm-hmm. right now they're going to end up building up a fantastic career as long as again they know what they're doing that's the most important thanks uh, yeah thanks thanks for the thanks a lot no no any not my doubts thank you for asking our questions artaj so what did you mentioned about a book earlier can you please uh, rename it which one you, i think you mentioned about the book to team building uh which one uh, i think you mentioned a book about team building earlier uh in this session uh yeah uh team building no i don't think i've written a book around team building uh, no issues we'll continue with the questions yeah yeah uh so akk you can come ahead and ask it's a lean startup uh, pardon a uh, lean startup uh, can you please repeat it yeah yeah it's it's lean startup lean okay yeah thank you it's by uh, eric ries so just uh, google uh, this lean startup book uh, by eric ries uh, e r i c r i e s eric ries cool thanks a lot um, yeah uh if anyone else has any questions then you can hit up the hand button on your screen and 
you can come up on the stage and ask. I believe that we are done with the questions. So, uh, as a part of time is running away also. Yeah, as a part of ending advice, what would you like to give up to early SaaS startup founders or to people who are just coming in the development field or any last piece of advice which you would like to give? Yeah, I would just say like if you are into SaaS, be in SaaS industry purely because of passion and not because of how much money you can make. Uh, money should always be the secondary factor. Uh, I used to think the same that money is everything when I was like young. But as I kept on like growing in my life, I have realized that if you're not passionate about something, trust me, no matter how much money someone gives you, you will not be happy. And finding your happiness is very important in whatever you do in your life. So as long as you're happy, trust me, no money can change that. And that is something that my team is so happy about working with us that that they do not want to work anywhere regardless of how much money they get paid so that happiness is so crucial because you have to build things around that and when you do that you will always grow and succeed in your life so never try to chase money trust me it will come by all of you guys will end up making a lot of money down the road in any industry that you work with because everything is getting globalized everything is getting commercialized at the same time so you all guys will make a lot of money in the next next one decade but the most important thing is be happy, right? Be happy in what you do. Don't feel like, oh, it's 8 a.m. I have to go to work right now. I'll come back. My life is boring. Trust me, if, if that's you, you have to switch. So just be happy in your life. In whatever you do, find that happiness. And trust me, you will enjoy every bit of your passion out of it. So always find your passion in everything that you do. So this is, this is one advice that I'll give to everyone. Thank you so much for coming in, Udit. Uh, guys, you can check out events that I've mentioned his socials. You can connect with him over there and you can, think, you can think him if you have more questions and we couldn't take it up due to time issues. So I'm sure he'll be happy to answer them over there. Thank you for joining in. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Lakhan and Anmol for having me and uh, amazing community. You guys are doing wonderful uh, to push us uh, further in the community. And uh, thank you for, for having me over here. Thank you so much, Udit. Thank you so Good much. Day. Have a great day, everyone. Bye. Bye-bye.